Welcome to the Etobicoke Historical Society's monthly oral history podcast. This podcast is one of a series of interviews of senior Etobicoke residents in the 1980s. The interview tapes were recently discovered in the local history room at Richview Public Library. We would like to thank the Toronto Public Library for giving them back to us so they could be made into these podcasts. These oral histories are a valuable and unique view into the history of Etobicoke in the early part of the 20th century, as seen through the personal experiences of local residents. We will be presenting a different interview each month. We hope you enjoy them. Stay with your father's uh, grocery business. Oh, I monkeyed around I guess till the 30s. And eventually, I, uh, in 38, I went to work for Etobicoke uh, Township as a welfare investigator, and worked stayed there until uh, 19th July 43, and I went uh, into the army. And uh, spent uh, discharged in forty February forty-five, I guess it was. I broke a disc in my back in training, doing gymnastics. And somebody, somebody was supposed to catch me on the. We went over the horse. He didn't, and I was in the my middle of my back. Lower lumbar discs were fractured. So I was discharged then. Went back to work for Etobicoke again. I thought I was going to have a, a holiday before I went back, but I went to see Mr. Barrett. That he was the town clerk at that time. He said, uh, "Well, we'll see you Monday." I think that was on a Thursday. So I went back and went to work in the assessment department. So and I stayed with them until. I worked my way up from assessor to assessment commissioner, the first full-time assessment commissioner that he took to ahead. And uh, worked till 50, December 53, we were taken over by Metro, and that meant we were in a, another puddle. So we were all in Metropolitan Toronto assessment plan. I stayed in charge of Etobicoke as a supervisor until 40, until 40, got to get back there, until 56, when I went down to Toronto. That time the Metro assessment was on Brewer Street, just two doors west of Sherburne. And in '60, when the city hall, new city hall was open, that was in, in the early '60s, '64, somewhere around there, maybe a little earlier. We were, moved our offices down to there. We had four floors of, of the west wing of the new city hall, and I was there until as chief supervisor under A.J.B. Gray until December 69 when the, the uh, provincial government took over the assessment. At that time I was 
63 plus. So I was, went to come out to Etobicoke and uh, finished my career there and retired from Etobicoke. Now, go back to uh, uh, being a, a welfare investigator. What, uh, were there many cases of uh, welfare fraud? Only one prosecution in my time. And uh, that chap was earning money, not declaring that he made it. They were allowed to make so much money, but they'd work for these uh, 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 apple people, picking apples and farm-type jobs, and they wouldn't declare this income. And some of it was pretty good money. We convicted the chap. He was uh, sent to jail. But that was the only only conviction. Most of them were pretty honest, and uh, they knew you were keeping your eye on them. But uh, most of them were were honest. What sort of relationship? You'd walk into a, into someone's home, and they were collecting welfare. Um, what sort of relationship would you have with those people? Very good. Very, very good. No, we'd never had uh, very little argument or trouble at all. And most people were honest. And most were homes, uh, old folk who had worked their younger days and done a good job. And I would say that uh, most of them were very clean and well kept. They didn't have much, but uh, they used what they had and used it well. And uh, no, I would think the majority of people on welfare in those days, they hated it, they didn't want it, but it was necessity to keep body and soul together. They had to have something, they had to eat. And it, uh, no, I, I would say the people in those days were pretty honest, honest folk. There was very few that were wanting to do anything wrong. You felt sorry. I know one chap, he had, uh, just before he had to go on welfare, he had bought a, a new, uh, I think it was a Plymouth or Dodge car. And at that time, as soon as they went to welfare, they had to turn in their license plates. They, they couldn't operate a car. And this chap, he had taken that car, taken the tires off, wrapped them in paper, just like you do new tires of that. In those days, were wrapped when he got them. And he had these tires all wrapped. He had the car up on jacks. He used to keep it polished and sat there. I don't know whatever. I'd like to know what happened to that car because it, it surely hadn't gone any miles. He didn't have to sell it though. No, no, he could keep it. Oh, no, there's no, no, you never forced anybody to do anything because they were always hopeful that in two weeks we'd be working again. They, everybody had that idea. And those days, if you got 40 cents an hour, you got off welfare. you go and live on the 40 cents an hour. Well, they, it, it was 
it was hard. But they were always pretty happy. How much would uh, uh, a welfare recipient with a, with a wife and two kids get? Do you remember? I don't recall the exact figures. Of course, you got uh, cash, and then you got clothing over and above that. You got shoes, socks, underwear, and overcoats, and uh, sweaters. And the children were given mittens and winter boots and summer boots on a separate budget over and above their eating money. And then at times there was a surplus of butter one time and they all got vouchers for so many pounds of butter, which was an extra over and above their regular welfare check. Well, no, they they'd done pretty good. And at that time, they first started, they used to have work in the ditch. If you were employable, you worked cleaning out ditches and this and that. It wasn't a very satisfactory thing, because it seemed like an endless chore of, of nothing, that you had to go out and do it. Maybe it was a good thing in a lot of ways, because it kept a man active. It wouldn't let him sit down and just bum away the time reading and so forth. But uh, if they'd allowed, the government wouldn't allow it. But a lot of these things, if they would have had have allowed the municipalities to enter into a building a, a road, a substantial road, or putting in sewers or water mains, and let them use the welfare for that. But they wouldn't do that. There were certain works that they wouldn't allow them to to use welfare help on, and this would have been a boom. Of course, there was no money. Everybody, municipalities were uh, bonds were slipping, and everything was going downhill. It was they were in trouble. Municipal bonds were going for a third of what their value was. So that there was no no spare money around to, and uh, as I say, these chaps would get awful tired of digging a ditch today and cleaning it out and going back the same next week and doing the same thing. Uh, to them, they could see it was a wasted effort, and it really was. What happened to your uh, father's business during the depression? Well, we would that uh, in the depression we we had sold it to the uh, roadway into the for the roadway because it uh, encompassed all the land there. It just took the whole whole thing right away, so that it all went before that he had retired. And what about the other businesses in Long Branch? How did how did they survive through? Do you remember? In Long Branch or Number Bay? Well, there weren't too many left there at that time, but most of them survived. The hardware store, the Smithfield in there, and the drugstore, the grocery store, they got by. Of course, in the, a lot of, there wasn't as many chain stores then, 
so that the little grocer could make good and hardware. There was no uh, big opposition for them. There was probably one hardware store in, in Miles, so if you didn't go there, you went to Parkdale or to Finkel's or one of those hardwares. But uh, they didn't. Uh, they survived. And I think uh, later years prospered. Barbershop. They all seemed to do pretty good. We're like the rest, I guess, just hanging on and cutting down to, to get by. When you were growing up, um, if you could find something in Humber Bay you wanted to buy, um, where would you go to do your shopping? Most of us, uh, Humber Bay, I think most of the uh, outside of uh, regular grocery shopping, you go to Parkdale. Queen Street was on a Saturday night in, in Parkdale. That street was just filled with people. Right from Sunnyside, that uh, King and Ronsville, King Queen and Ronsville call come together. East to oh, Gwyn Avenue. There was three theaters there. Come see in the Odeon and the Parkdale, and the people go in, go to the show, do a little shopping, and go make their way home again on the old radio at that time. But that was, uh, oh, that was a thrive. The Parkdale was a thriving place. Uh, I guess there's more business done, as much business done on Queen Street there in the weekend as there is on Young Street, or was on Young Street. And a lot of it, they see Simpsons eating, it's all delivered, so that uh, any, and their catalogs at that time, so people would shop in the catalog and have it delivered to their house, so that uh, that's clothing and stuff like that for children, so that there was, and then there was all kinds of stores on Queen, from, so you could buy anything you wanted, from, confectionery, bakery goods, uh, Italian bakery, uh, Italian food stores, and groceries. Oh, everything was there. It was a real up-to-date shopping haberdashery. Before uh, electric fridges came in, how would, where would you get the ice for your ice boxes? From the ice plant there at the uh, Ellis Avenue. Uh, there was a big plant there, uh, Grandadier. They take the ice in the Grandadier pond. They cut it in the winter time. Well, about oh, usually February. That was another place where the, we used to work a lot in the brickyards. Well, then they'd be idle a lot of the winter. Some would work in the glassworks in, in uh, Parkdale, and a lot of them. Would February come, they get a well, three weeks or maybe a month's work uh, loading ice and filling up the ice houses there. But they had a, oh, quite a large plant. The plant would be on the, on the west side of Grenadier Pond? Right up the railway track. Just on the north side of the railway track, uh, between the pond and the railroad. There was a quite a little chunk of land there. And they had a quite a big plant there. 
and they'd cut the ice with a horse and, and cutter or saw really and uh, uh, pull it off. Oh, there's a lot of horses used to get dumped while they were doing the job. Pretty cold dunking and the ice was taken up on like a conveyor up into the plant and there's people in there packing the ice in and packing sawdust in the top to keep it from melting. And uh, it was quite a chore. Then they deliver round to your door. You have cards you put in your, your window usually whether you want 25 or 50 pounds of ice or whatever the case may be. And the chap would come along with his wagon in for you. But if you're last on the route, you got a small 25-pound block. The hot sun would melt part of it, so you're kind of getting squeezed a bit. Speaking of uh, uh, Grenadier Pond, do, we, do you ever go to a Hyde Park? Oh, yes. That was uh, some routing. Oh, as kids, we'd wander down there. That was a little bit of a walk, but that was uh, Something nice. In the wintertime, that was quite a spot for sleigh riding and, and toboggan. That was the, one of the big, behind coming across the pond, on the east side of the pond, there was at the top of that hill where the flower gardens are and the, and the house there is a, where the, I think one of the park superintendents lives in. But behind it, they got ice slides maybe oh, four foot wide, and they'd have maybe eight or nine of these slides, and get to bar they were iced, they flood them, and they'd go right across, down the hill, right across to the, the pond, to possess grade at the, behind their, I think it was Rennie's Seed Company man owned the, property adjoining at the other side of the pond, and that there's an uphill at the end. Oh, there's more than one broke legs and arms of that. Then the over at the, uh, where the pens are for the uh, animals, that was quite a long bobsled run. And you'd start at the top of the hill there, run right across to Pritchard Parkside Drive without, they used to keep that in iced and banked up so that you could take a bobsled down it. Some fancy bobsleds and some that we kids have put together <laughs> which wouldn't be very fancy. Well, we'll fall apart any time. But they, it was fun. Did they charge you for the use of these? Or? Oh no, that was, that was part and parcel of that was the, oh no, no charge for anything. In the summertime, what sort of amusements would they have at Hyde Park? For well, they always had uh, cricket and uh, baseball, and uh, they've always had the swings and things like that, slides. Oh yeah, they always had something there for, and there was a lot of picnics from different churches. That was a handy place to get there by streetcar, so that the the churches have their church picnics in different areas of the park. 
Oh, yes, it was well used in those days. Well, of course, you didn't have the transportation. You had to get close to home. And then the, the island ferries, then in the old days there was three boats that went to Hamilton. Uh, two or three boats went to uh, Port Dalhousie. Uh, two or three went to Niagara Falls, which was a great outing. We used to go this Niagara on the lake, uh, you, you, uh, what they call the uh, oh, you go from work, pack a lunch if you want it. We go on the, save a little money, and you go on the boat, and uh, about five o'clock, and you sail across to Niagara on the lake, and there was a, always a band on it, and uh, you could dance. There was a small space for dancing. Or you could just lounge in a chair and cruise over and back. You're back home by four, four midnight. So that was quite a, and a lot of picnics. The bigger, bigger companies used to go to Port Dalhousie for a picnic, a big plant picnic, good year in these plants. We'd go over there and have a picnic. They're their games, come back on the boats. Well, that, and then Hamilton, they'd go over there for back and forth. But that was the big. Now, I guess there's probably no boats on the lake. And there was the big boats that used to take a cruise down to St. Lawrence from the, the docks there in Toronto. Did you ever go on one of those? I never went to no, Niagara Falls and Port Louis and Hamilton, yeah. Never went any further than that. Now, uh, did you ever go, um, say, to Mimico or Long Branch? Did you go ever go west? From oh yes, the at that time right here where we're sitting, there was a long this is old Long Branch Park, and the dance hall was an open dance hall in the old hotel, and that was very popular as a dance every night. You paid so much to dance. And that was quite a, a nice evening out. You bring your girlfriend out and dance for the evening. And they would charge you per dance? Per dance, yeah. How much would it cost you per dance? Oh, I think a dime. Not more than that. But it was quite a, this was quite a park. At one time, there was out here where this park is, uh, the boats used to run like the ferries from that the old island now, they used to leave Bathurst Street and come out to there. And this was a regular amusement park. They had uh, merry grounds and uh, old games like they have at the exhibition and things like that. It was quite a quite a park. Like everything else, the motor car changed the whole setup. Like the airplane now is changing the, the world, where few ever got to England or figured they ever would get to Europe on a trip. Now it's commonplace. But in those days, it was all by boat, and there wasn't too much opportunity.
Thanks for listening to the Etobicoke Historical Society's Oral History Podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast, be sure to subscribe and like. If you wish to learn more about the work of our society, be sure to visit www.etobicohistorical.com. See you next month.